Hello, you're listening to My Pop 5, a pop culture podcast about people. In our show, we bring on guests to break down five pieces of pop culture that had an influence on them or helped shape them to become the people that they are today. I'm your host, Ryan, and before we get into today's show, I want to talk about something that's really important to us. For any new podcast, the most crucial time frame is the first eight weeks. This is because Apple weighs the performance of the show in those first eight weeks and determines whether or not it's eligible for their new and noteworthy section. Podcasts that get featured on New and Noteworthy tend to have the best chances at sustained success, so we're pushing really hard to try and make that happen. Now, what Apple looks for in this time frame is the number of people who subscribe, rate, and most importantly, review the show. We've added a link in our description of this episode and our Instagram bio where you can leave a review. We're pushing really hard in these next few weeks as we're nearing the end of our eight-week mark. So when you have a little bit of time, we'd really appreciate a review. Today, we have a really special guest for you. Veronica, Daniel, and I had the chance to interview the lovely Isabel Fuentes. Isabel's an incredible photographer here in the Los Angeles area and one of my closest friends. As talented as she is as a photographer, my favorite conversations with her are about movies, music, and her love of hot Cheetos. So let's get into it. Here's our episode with Isabel Fuentes. Well, welcome. We are here with the very talented, amazing photographer, Isabel Fuentes. Hello. She has been a very good friend of mine for about eight years now, and I'm very excited to have you on, so thanks for being here. Of course. So, the way we start every show, why don't you tell us your pop five with no comment, no context. Tell us, what is it? Okay, my pop five are Instagram, number two, Sucker Survive, number three, Jack Black, the Nacho Libra slash School of Rock era, Tovlo, and Post Malone. Awesome. I had the pleasure of meeting you. We all live in Los Angeles now, but I know that you and I both had the same experience of growing up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. But you were actually born elsewhere. Tell us a bit about where were you born? I was actually born in Los Angeles. I didn't know that. Hollywood baby, (laughs) actually, in Hollywood. (laughs) Born here, lived here for like two years when I was a toddler baby. And then it just got too much for my parents to to raise like three kids in L.A. So we moved back to New Mexico because that's where my mom's family all live. And then grew up in Albuquerque, basically, throughout my whole life. So L.A. never necessarily felt like home since you were an infant or a toddler. Exactly. But, yeah. but it is a bit of a homecoming of sorts in the sense that you are now back in the city where you were born. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It feels weird being like away from family, but yeah, of sorts. Oh, sure. No, and I think I've had a bit of a similar experience being that I spent the entirety of my life in Albuquerque until about a year ago, and now we're all here. It's so crazy to be out here. Yeah. It really is. I'm going to start a little bit different because I know a little bit about your history, and so I want to try and follow a little bit of a chronological order. So um, let's go ahead and start. I'm going to go a little bit backwards. So the last thing on your list, number five, that you put down was was Post Malone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How did you come across Post Malone, and why is he here on your list? Posty Post. I just love him so much. Like... (laughs) 
he's the sweetest human. Like, I've watched so many interviews of him. I listened to, like, all of his records. And Morgan actually put me on to Post Malone when Stoney came out. And, of course, Morgan, because he's... Morgan's my boyfriend. Right. For listeners listening. <laughs> yes. So, um, I'll, I'll jump in. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Uh, Morgan is the lead singer of the band I've played with forever. He is uh, the... F- Founder of our group, Pool Toys, and, you know, I met Isabel through Morgan, where you're going to hear his name likely a lot throughout this podcast. <laughs> yeah, <and> so, um, <laughs> that's Morgan. <laughs> Mor- Morgan Lawrence Ching is who we're referring to. Exactly, yeah. Um, Morgan put me on to Post Malone, and honestly, when I first started listening to him, I didn't like it. I didn't like his music, and then something just, like, clicked one of his songs, I listened to it and I was like, oh, okay, this is good. And then kind of getting into the internet culture um, where he did like the H3 podcast and the Hot Ones interview of Post Malone. He's just like the sweetest, most humble guy. And then like, I just got obsessed with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's super cool. Yeah. yeah. He's just like so humble, so like kind. Like you could just you can just feel how awesome he is, you know, even mm-hmm. through like interviews that it's like, so like not, you know, but. Right. Do you, do you think that there's, um, was there a specific time, I guess I should say that you, you know, came across him? Was it more recent in your adult life or when did you first kind of discover Post Malone? Mm. I'd have to say, I'm trying to think of years. <laughs> Probably when Stunny came out. I'm not sure when that was. 2016. 2016, yeah. yeah. So um, since then, like, the album came out, and Morgan was listening to it a lot more than I was. Mm-hmm. And then I just remember listening to him, like, driving to work at, like, 4 a.m., mm-hmm. like, ever since then. So it's 2020 now, so... Four years ago. Yeah. So pretty recent. What was the first Post Malone song that you would say really hit you the hardest? Oh. Um, I know just while you're looking it up, I didn't necessarily know who Post Malone was, but I similarly found him on the H3 podcast kind of when it first came out. But also they talked about him a lot on the H3, you know, channel before yeah. it was even a podcast. Because so, they were really close right and he would show up in their videos of just hanging out and drinking at his house or all the various things you know and my biggest shock was when i had seen post malone through all this time but i didn't really go through and start to listen or do anything to learn more about him other than he was just this character that showed up in those h3 h3 videos um and then someday i saw some meme that was basically like go look up post malone's age and then go look up justin bieber's age (laughs) And then I did and realized that Justin Bieber's older than Post Malone. And I was mm-hmm. like, what the hell? insane. Yeah. It's crazy. The The song that like got me was Ears Truly Austin Post on the mm. Stony album. Nice. And then Congratulations, obviously, because it's such a good song. <laughs> yeah. I think that first record, it's, it's pretty interesting how he kind of, you know, broke through in the mainstream pop world because it wasn't like that the music was something that was running parallel with the music that was popping off at that time. 
but it started to combine elements. And he was accused of, you know, being somewhat of a culture vulture is what they called it, yeah. you know, like appropriation of, yeah. of black music. But like, I think when you go back and look at some of his older videos, like a lot of it is true to his roots. Like he has yeah. like a lot of that emo singer songwriter yeah. feeling well, also, like, even though he did bring in hip-hop elements with, like, the trap beats and stuff, like, I think what Post Malone is and his music is, is it's generally who he is. And he kind of right. created this own vein. And as, you know, a uh, consumer, I've seen so many other newer artists that are creating this same now Post Malone sound. Like, yeah. it's not hip-hop. It's not emo. Yeah. It's not pop-punk. It's his it's, sound. It's like Post, post Malone core. Mm-hmm sound yeah yeah and my favorite song i mean i what this is consistent with all of post malone's discography like my favorite songs are like the ones that you could hear him probably just singing with an acoustic guitar like, that's what's crazy to me because i got on to him pretty late or not late but probably right in the time that mainstream started to catch on with his music and i feel like he's pretty easy in the very beginning at least when he started popping up more publicly to kind of like write off as like oh you know hip-hop artist is a good song Mm -hmm. and let's move on Mm -hmm. and then when i heard him saying at the grammys acoustic with just an acoustic guitar i was like this kid sounds like kurt cobain when he's singing with no other production except his own voice yeah and then i think people Maybe if they weren't fully on board, they started to get pretty yeah. like, okay, this guy's talented and he knows what he's doing. For sure. And he doesn't need all, even though his songs are great with all the production that goes into him, mm-hmm. he could do a really cool singer, songwriter, acoustic song and it sounds banging. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just thought about Kurt Cobain when I heard him. Which I think was maybe one of those people at first, like the first thing I heard was Wyatt Iverson. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, it's a good song, like it's a well-written song, but I'm not necessarily sure that it's going to be, you know, it, it, it was too derivative for me at least. But I think, I mean, considering some of the other things on your list, I think mm-hmm. it, he kind of appeals to, you know, the people that grew up listening to pop punk or, yeah. or listening to, um, you know, like the post-hardcore stuff. Alternative. Like, yeah. And, stuff. and that wasn't necessarily something I would have predicted from the first music that he was coming out with, you know? For sure. I definitely came around to it. And I think that's why, like, in the initial, like, thought of listening to Post Malone, it was like, he's, like, just another white person (laughs) doing, like, you know, like, hip-hop shit. But, and I think what's really, really awesome about Post Malone is that, like, he, he just, like, broke through without, like having to look a certain way, be a certain way. He was just genuinely himself. And I think that's just so beautiful. What is pop music now? You know, like, yeah. Yeah. and he's still breaking, you know, records Sure. now. It's like he puts out a song and because it comes from him so genuinely, it's like, it's a hit because yeah, he's just himself, yeah. himself, you know? Yeah. And he's so humble. I was watching an, an interview in preparation for this and, you know, it was a little bit of a joke, but like we've all been talking about how how 
how he's such a good raw singer. They'll have talk shows asking him about like, oh, how do you sing so well? And he's just like, oh, it's all auto-tune, bro. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. but it's not auto-tune, like, because we've yeah. seen those posts where it is just him singing and he's got a, a damn good voice. Yeah. Oh, I saw a video of him doing uh, Santeria mm-hmm. by Sublime at like a casino or something. And it was it was awesome, like, to see him. Because I think he, in a lot of ways, he kind of is a, a representation of like where we're at in music and pop culture. Yeah. Where these things are coming back and we are kind of less divided when it comes to like people being into hip hop or rock music or yeah. pop music. Whereas like when we were in the mid 2000s, it wasn't the people who were listening to the Carter three weren't, you know, the same crowd that was listening to. Yeah all of the rock bands that were coming out. So it's like a sign of the times. I think he perfectly embodies that. There's so much more crossover now. And there's not like a clear blueprint for pop music. And even with like artists like Billie Eilish, it's like you can't put her to a certain mold. She takes Mm -hmm. from every genre. And it's just good. Yeah. Yeah, I think more and more we're we're discovering and it's been difficult, I think, for most consumers and critics to kind of understand that you're not able to genreify artists anymore because they're creating new subsets and subgenres. Um, and it's been like a weird identity crisis for pop music as a whole. Yeah. But, you know, Post Malone and, and like you mentioned, Billie Eilish are huge reasons as to why we are seeing just something different yeah. lately. Yeah. In terms of Post Malone as a person or even just his music, is there anything, you know, in your own life that you identified with or was it more escapism what made it impactful for you? Or why is it that you think he's been so influential to you? I think just him as a person and what he's done in, you know, pop culture is very inspiring because you live your day-to-day life kind of dragging along you know some days and it's like with how he just approaches people and conversation it's very inspiring to like try and emulate some of that because you know at the end of the day when you meet people you don't want to like you don't want to be rude or you don't want to be xyz you know you want to be kind and humble and just like genuine and and i think what he's done and just within the next four years of being Mm -hmm. in this space, you know, it's very inspiring. And I actually saw him live. When was it? In December. I was going to ask you if you went to that concert. Mm -hmm. I did. It was, I cried for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just so inspiring, you know, throughout the different songs he had, like his speeches and it's like, if you put your mind to it, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. You know, as long as you are yourself and you are passionate about it, just go for it. You know, he's mm-hmm. just that kind of like inspiring, you know. I think that's just why he's so unpack. Like, I would love to be friends with him someday. He's just sure. the coolest guy, you know. Yeah, I'd like... I'd like to take it back a little bit because I think, you know, some of the things you're drawing upon, I'm able to connect the dots because I know you pretty well. Um, But for the listener, um, I know that art has played a big role in your family and music has played a big role just in your life with both your brothers. And 
yeah. of Morgan and the band and yeah. stuff. So let's take it back. Uh, why don't you tell us a bit about what mom and dad do um, or what they did when you were growing up? And I'd like to hear more about your family. We'll get back to the show in just a moment. No, this isn't an ad read, but we do have a couple of things that we'd love to share. I've been getting quite a few questions about how you can support the show. The truth is you're already doing it by listening. But if you're looking to do a little bit more, the best way is to support our show is to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Rating and reviewing truly does make all the difference for podcasts. So leave us a review, and in that review, tell us what your pot five is, and we'll read it on the show. Another way to help us out is just following us on Instagram at mypot5. We post short recaps of the show and include video or music clips that are referenced in the episode. They're some of our favorite pieces of content to produce. Anyway, thank you again for listening, and we'll get back to the show. My mom, she's she's a paralegal. That was her first job, so that's like how I knew her as like a paralegal and doing. But it was mostly be um, for like immigrants, helping them get their papers sorted and things like that. And then she started working for the attorney general's office. And so just like things like that. She's always had her like nine to five job and Mm -hmm. always like provided for the family as a whole. Like, but as far as like art is concerned, my dad has played a huge role in my life. He's just like been like freelance. Like he does like signs and like things around Albuquerque, Mm -hmm. like probably things you've seen him do like he's done it and painted it in but he also is like a very great like artist artist like paints and i actually have a couple of them at my apartment oh cool um but he's just he's always like taught us to be pulling some sort of art out of you so like when i was younger i used to actually play guitar and both my brothers play guitar still to this day but it was just wasn't for me. I think they pushed me a little too far into that. And so it's mm-hmm. like, as a kid, you're like, no, I don't want to do it because you're telling me to do mm-hmm. it. Right. So I quit that. And then they were actually taking classes at the UNM, the summer classes for flamenco. Okay. And then I went and, you know, I was with my mom picking them up. And, and then I started like seeing them dancing flamenco. And I was like, mom, I want to do that. Because I didn't know. As you know, yeah. you, you see and you're like, oh, that's cool. So I actually started dancing flamenco when I was in the sixth grade. And um, did that for about seven years. Kind of on and off, but mostly seven years. And then I did like ballet and modern and jazz and sort of hip-hop dance. But <laughs> it was like a class. <laughs> And then that was, like, all throughout my high school. I did, like, dance, like, literally every day. And then I got to college and kind of was pursuing that a little bit in college. Like, you either get a degree in dance or, like, you leave. (laughs) So I left and I quit dance. And then I was, like, at kind of a loss. I didn't know what to do, where to go. And I guess this is a kind of good segue to talk about, like, my first top five is Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I downloaded the app in like 2012 when it came out on Android and I actually met Morgan through the app and actually I wouldn't know literally any of you if Instagram didn't come out, you know, so it's like yeah. little things like that. I downloaded the app and how did you I, and Morgan meet? Sorry. Through, um, like, 
Just well, yeah, I'll, I'll say that. I'll say. It. Um, we actually met through Instagram, so we were Instagram like he followed me and I followed him. But I recognize, right? <laughs> You're like, oh, they followed me. Back. But it's a little different <laughs> because I actually saw Morgan play live at this place called the Gasworks in New Mexico. We we somehow were Facebook friends. I think my friend told me to add up mm-hmm. and I was like we became Instagram friends because we were Facebook friends if that makes sense yeah so we started following each other and then he started following me on like Tumblr and Twitter and then and then I was like who is this guy liking my pictures like it was when I only had like a hundred followers I'm like this is weird <laughs> and so I looked and I was like oh it's that guy in that band that I saw like two years ago and so I started following him back and then we kind of went back and forth on Twitter and so ever since then, yeah, 2012, we got together. So hold up, I yeah, did, yeah, yeah. You're leaving out like crucial parts of this Morgan story. So <laughs> okay, yeah. How did the relationship eventually flourish? So you guys okay. have you know gone back and forth on Instagram. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. There was a pivotal moment that yeah, I'm yeah, aware yeah. of. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So one day, I actually tweeted out. I was super sick. I just tweeted. I was like, I, I wish someone could like bring me tea. And he's like, I'm out running errands, quote unquote, errands. And I'm like, okay, sure. So that's how we actually met. Stop. And I was like. That was the first time you met in person? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just so cool guy, like with his sunglasses. (laughs) And and he's like, hi, here you go. Here's your tea. And I was like, thanks, bye. Because I was sick, you know, there was like so, it was so awkward. But then we actually kind of went back and forth on Twitter for a while. We kind of did like the cat memes, like my cat's cuter than your cat. Wait, how did he know where you lived? I, well, we went direct message on Twitter. Okay, I was gotcha. like, yeah, here's my phone number. I gave <laughs> him my phone number because I knew he was a real human. I yeah. was like, I've seen you in real life. So here's my number. Mm-hmm. And then I gave him my address and he dropped it off. And then so we funny. hung out like actually when I started feeling better. And then we were actually friends for like five months and then we got together because we both thought we were like friend zoned (laughs) so like we it was actually pretty cool to like be friends and then like eventually you know get getting together but it was like it was it was cool I thought we were friends for sure and then it was just like happened overnight yeah (laughs) I remember this because I feel like we all went to the movies and yeah. I tagged along with Alex, and you came with Morgan, and I feel like Alex told me, like, oh, I think that's, like, yeah. a girl that Morgan just started dating. Yeah, and mm. I think, I think I remember, because, what did we see? I cannot I think remember. it was Lincoln. Was it Lincoln? Was it? I have no idea, to be honest. But I remember that moment, because it was, like, we got together, and then we started, like, seeing, like, hanging out every day and, like, doing mm-hmm. the movies thing. So, I, like, that's so funny. I definitely remember that memory, for sure. Yeah, I, and I don't want to make this too much about Morgan because I <laughs> want it to be all about you. But I like, I like, you know, knowing that I was on the other side of this. You had for your sure. experience, but I was playing in the band that you saw. Mm-hmm. You know, the band that you're referencing was our old band, Great States, you know. Yeah. And so I was friends with Morgan at this time, mm-hmm. you know? So I've gone back and forth with your guys' story and like moments where I'm like, no, Morgan, that was You're super fucking creepy. <laughs> no, I, like I thought what he did was a creep move, you know, for the longest time when I hear the story back. But yeah. knowing him as a person and then knowing like your experience with it, like 
it wasn't creepy at all because of the dialogue that you guys had online back and forth for the longest time. But yeah, under no circumstance <laughs> in my story was would I see someone posting, hey, I really want a London Fog. And I'm like, I'm there. Let's do it. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. You got to commend it, man. Yeah. What's yeah, your dorm number? <laughs> <laughs> What's crazy to me, too, is that, you know, you had mentioned that both of you guys felt friend zoned. You yeah. Know? For the longest time. And I remember, you know, sitting there, Morgan and I met maybe about only eight months before you even came to into the picture. So I wasn't that close with him. You know, I played in this band with him, but I wasn't like a super great friend of his. But it was because of his turmoil and trying to court you <laughs> that, you know, we kind of had our first breakthrough. Hey, yeah. I really need a friend. Let's talk moment, you mm. know. There was a night, you know, and I think I've told you this story multiple times, but you were over at his place and it was technically the first night that I met you. Uh I came over to help him work on a record that he was working on for Uh some solo music he was making. And you were there because he was helping your brother with some music prior to me showing up. And, you know, his house used to have this big upstairs like dance floor where his mom would do dance work. And I walk in the room and you're just in there spinning. You're like, (laughs) hi, I'm Isabel. And then you just bolted downstairs, and then that was kind of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then you left. You and your brother were done with whatever you were doing with Morgan, and then I was there to work. Mm-hmm. And we didn't end up getting any work done that night because he, he was, was so stressed out. He <laughs> was reeling. just like, I don't know if she actually likes me. Was she just using me so I'd help her brother? All this <laughs> oh, different God. stuff, you know? I and can then hear him say that. <laughs> I'm just sitting there. You know, this was our first moment. Like, oh, shoot. I This guy that I... I idolized Morgan at this time, you know, but like this dude that I'm like, he's let me into his life. I'm in his band. And now this is the first time that I'm like, this is a personal moment. I get to try and connect. It's on you. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and it all ended up. I wish I could remember, you know, I think like the way my memory plays it back to me is I was more just kind of like an ear. I don't think I remember giving him much advice other than like, maybe calm down, you know, yeah. like it, it's going to be okay. Like it, it feels very, you know, life or death, like you need an answer right this second. But yeah. I think you'll start to learn as the conversations develop kind of where each other stand. And yeah. turns out a couple of months later, you guys started like officially dating anyway. Yeah. But it's, it is funny because it is, it was clear that while you may not have had strong feelings at that moment, you know, it's to him, it wasn't clear at all, you know, like, yeah where you guys stood, but yeah. here we are eight years later. Yeah, and well, it's, yeah it's crazy. You know. It'll be eight years that we're together in September. So. Wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> I think like the first thing that I think about with all that is, you know, eight, eight years ago, like we are still kind of trying to wrap our brains around how much the internet has affected our lives. Whereas your current boyfriend that you've been with for eight years, like eight years ago, yeah. like you wouldn't, Things might definitely probably wouldn't have happened that way if it wasn't for for the internet, like yeah. yeah, right. So and the, even Instagram, you know, like that was insane. super new at that yeah. time. I feel like Instagram mm-hmm. in twenty twelve, yeah. Well, because Instagram was just like for an iPhone user, so like mm. whoever had Instagram was cool because they had the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And then once it came out for Android, both Morgan and I had Android, so we uh-huh. were like we connected. That's the thing that's awesome to me is had that app been developed for Android. Who knows, maybe a month later, that connection may not have happened. 
because Morgan yeah. may have gotten an iPhone or whatever, and then that that <laughs> impulse to buy to download Instagram right at that moment mm-hmm. yeah. wouldn't have yeah. you know had those timelines connect. So yeah. my whole life, and I'm sure your whole life, has been changed by just Instagram being released mm-hmm. and you know yeah. meeting Morgan, meeting a lot of people in mm-hmm. my life has like Instagram has played like a huge role in like me as a person because at least right now in this moment, because when Instagram came out, I started picking up a camera. Mm-hmm. Morgan was like, you take actually like decent photos on your Android, like just buy a camera. So I did. <laughs> and I mean, when I first bought my camera, it was just like taking pictures of Morgan and the band and like things like that. But then it actually like flourished into like what I'm doing now, which is kind of up in the air i've been shooting models a lot and mm-hmm. like kind of doing like lookbooks and things like that it's crazy how something so simple as like pick up a camera can like turn into like what you want to do with your yeah. life you know so it's like yeah so instagram definitely had played a role in you deciding to do that <clears throat> for sure yeah and it it was really cool because uh I started taking pictures and posting them on Instagram. Actually, this was back in, I want to say 2015. New York Times posted my Instagram as like the person to follow in New Mexico. (gasps) So, yeah. So, like, I got a big boost of like people who followed me and things like that. And I think that was like the first moment where I was like, whoa. (laughs) You know, where it's like someone from like New York Times. Or Times Magazine, Times Magazine, sorry, posted my Instagram page to follow. I'm like, what the heck is yeah. going on? Um, but it was a really, really cool moment for me. And then I, I think that was like the the breaking point for us. Like, okay, I'm going to actually do this like for real and like learn my camera, like, hone in my craft and download the appropriate things, Lightroom, things like that. But it's still just like a learning curve. I'm still like winging it you know it's constantly evolving yeah yeah you say you're winging it but you know when you just scroll through your instagram feed it's it's really clear that you have a very a gift for what you're doing you know i think it might be true that you know most (laughs) artists feel like they don't necessarily know what they're doing you know they're just making stuff that they love or creating things that they enjoy but that's a gift in its own right when you know you have thousands and thousands of followers that you know follow you because of your work or mm-hmm. you do have a magazine telling people that yeah. this is the one account in this entire state that you should follow <laughs> I know or, that matters <laughs> I do have a question about kind of how you've formed your style as it currently exists as I scroll through Instagram you know there's a, a good mixture of capturing you know things that are important in your life in small s- snippets but you know there is a blend of a lot of female models bands mm-hmm. um you know and you know some small snippets of your life like barely or things mm-hmm. with morgan yeah how do you decide what's curated on your feed and you, where did the idea to shoot female models come into your aesthetic the whole reason why i picked up a camera in the first place was to connect with people mm-hmm. i've always had a hard time making friends and so that was like a good way to like like let's shoot Things like that. It would it it just so happened my friends were really pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it was like, let me take pictures of you because I wanna hone in my craft. And mm-hmm. then 
one of my friends was working for Urban Outfitters at the time. And she was like, let me just get some clothes from work and we can shoot things like from Urban Outfitters. And then that kind of spiraled into like, oh, I can shoot clothing with models and, you know, things like that. I'm like, this is actually cool. I can like think of concepts and ideas and, you know, do it that way. Yeah. And um, I kind of went into that path for a while. And this was back in 2017 when I actually like went into it hard. That's kind of like how when I first moved out here, that's what a, I wanted to do. I wanted to go into fashion, photography, like lifestyle, portraiture mm-hmm. stuff. And then I just realized like shooting pretty models was, wasn't was for me. <laughs> Because a lot of the time models are kind of, I mean, that's not to say every model, but a lot of the models that I've worked with, I, you know, I'm always there for the connection of humans, you know, like I want to be friends with you. I want to, you know, and so it, it became a lot of like, they just were my friend because I could take great photos of them. And then that kind of put me into a spiral of not wanting to do that kind of photography. And that was, like, actually the time when I came out here. I was like, I don't want to do what I actually thought I wanted to do when I moved out here. And then I was like, why am I taking pictures in the first place? And it was all because of moments and being there with the person or things. So it's like, now when I post on Instagram, going back to Ryan's question, it's like, moments that matter to me, you know? So it's like, I... Right now, I'm doing a lot of photos for Pool Toys, um, Morgan's Band, and Ryan. Mm-hmm. And because I genuinely care about these people and I want them to flourish and things like that. So it's like, it just depends, you know, how I felt in the moment taking the photo. Now it's like, that's what matters to me and what, why I want to post it. So it's not necessarily a pretty picture. I mean, to me, it is because it holds a special place in my heart. But like, to me shooting moments is what matters to me now. Yeah. You have a lot of like cool vignettes Mm -hmm. kind of photos and like slice of life stuff, which is, I mean, I think that's more interesting. And like when you scroll a little bit further, it's like a lot of models. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh yeah. You can see the shift from like models Mm -hmm. to then just like more. Yeah. Not abstract, but you know what I mean? Just like for sure. Things that are different here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what your first Instagram post was? Yes. What was it? T for one. Mm. Is it? Well, I don't know that it's still the last post there because I know the last post that you look at, it's like you were at your grandmother's house and you took a photo of something that was on the wall. Mm -hmm. But that may not have been your first Instagram post because you can archive things Mm -hmm. or delete things. It's not my first for sure. But yeah. But do you think that? I mean, have you noticed that uh, kind of like what you said earlier? I mean, people were only wanting to be your friend because they wanted you to take good photos of them. Do you get frustrated with the kind of boom in people wanting to be photography? Or do you think that, that, that a bit of it is kind of that instant gratification of being able to post immediately and get some sort of response for what they're doing yeah I think it's it's a little bit of both I think at the time I was really frustrated because it felt like 
I was being used. <laughs> I think now for me, taking photos is a lot different from why I was doing it back then because it was for that like instant gratification for sure. Because at the time it was like time magazine posted me and like, I'm getting all these likes mm -hmm. and things like that. So it was like very satisfying posting great photos. And so it was like a kind of back and forth, but um, I think what made me kind of spiral and like figure out why I actually like to do it um, brought me to like here. Um, I'm very thankful for Instagram, right? Cause it yeah. brought uh, you into my life. So I'm sure we'll wind back in and out of photos, but I'd like to move into the next thing because it's already been a bit about some of the stuff you've mentioned with both the gas works and your brothers and, mm -hmm. and music. And let's move on to Circa Survive. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell us a bit about when you first came across Circa Survive, how and, and what you love about that band? Okay. I started listening to Circa Survive when I was in sixth or seventh grade. It definitely plays back into like my childhood i think at that time why it's made such a huge impact on me as a person because i think around like eighth grade i found out that my older brother was had a drug addiction and so a lot of circus survive lyrics kind of pull from that because anthony green had really bad drug problems i was listening to circus survive when it was like sixth grade and seventh grade but it didn't really mean anything to me so like when i was in eighth grade and ninth grade and starting to realize what these lyrics actually mean it was like holy shit it mm -hmm. kind of made me realize and put me into that feeling of like kind of having empathy for my brother you know that's like the big, big reason why I love Circus Survive so much. Um, but also it just brings me back to listening to them as a kid and just like yelling, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because I was just like a very angsty person <laughs> because like my brothers were like very talented and like I felt like a lot of the attention was like towards them and like me as just like who I am, like I'm a very shy person and Back then, probably not that much now, <laughs> but I was just like very shy and angsty and like didn't want to talk to people. So like screaming and like getting all that anger out was like crucial for me as like a teenager, you know? So would you say that you're very close to your brother? Back then, for sure. I think now since I live far away, it's harder to maintain that close of a relationship. And also now it's um it's a little bit different because I've kind of grown you You've know evolved yeah. right exactly mm -hmm. and i and i think they're constantly evolving but i think there was a time where like i couldn't be there for them anymore because it was too hard mm. you know yeah. so i noticed you mentioned you know that part of the connection point was struggles that your brother was dealing with um was he the one who showed you the band yeah. initially mm -hmm. do you think he was cognizant of any sort of relationship with you know, the music in that way? Or was there, or did you have a special connection because maybe he, you know, you saw him in those songs? I think, I think it's the latter for me, at least. Um, I'm not, I can't speak for like how it affected him and listening to that music. But like, at least for me, it was like, I listened to it because my brothers listened to it and it was cool. But then like later on when I was, older and I can read the lyrics and like understand yeah. it. It was like, holy shit. I don't know. So I'm, I can only assume that's why they resonated with it so much, mm -hmm. but yeah. And I know you said that it created a new sense of empathy towards your brother with listening. 
How did that time period and that new sense of empathy affect your relationship with him? I think like realizing that, sure, it was his choice in that moment, but from moving on, it was like, it was a disease. You know, mm-hmm. once you like it, you latch on, it's like, there was times where he would like get better and then fall back and get better. But I'm like, even just getting better is like, progress you know it didn't Mm -hmm. matter if he would kept on falling it was like it's so brave you know to like try and come out of that and trying to be better because it is actually a disease and if you don't know how to cure it it's like you're fucked you know yeah so yeah i know that families that generally are dealing with you know addiction because it is a sickness it is a disease in a lot of ways you know it impacts the families in more ways than one and as i'm hearing you talk about it it sounds like there is a level of a defensiveness for him because you care for him and you understand what he's struggling with. But did you ever have moments where you were upset or disappointed and maybe had the opposite reaction? For sure. I think that was a lot of, I think I only felt that when he was doing bad because mm-hmm. there was, there was literally nothing I can do to help. And right. I think that was what was hard. But I think seeing him now as like a father you know, trying to be better. And like, mm-hmm. he's he's been like a few years sober. Seeing that progress, it's only getting better mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Like when you're the age you were, which is you don't have a full sense of the ins and outs of things like that when mm-hmm. you're that young. Yeah. And then to have a band have lyrics that really crystallize Mm-hmm. what you know you've been feeling and thinking and assuming, but you have no idea how to say it yeah, is huge. Mm-hmm. And it like ripples into the rest of, I mean, as you grow up hearing a band that you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's what it is. I yeah. get it. That's mm-hmm. exactly it. You know? Yeah. I, I had never listened to Circa Survive before you putting this on your list and mm-hmm. then me trying to binge as much of it as possible. <laughs> but, you know, my immediate takeaways were, it totally reminded me of so many experiences with you in the sense and your family, like mm-hmm. Gavi specifically, yeah. you know, uh, one of your brothers and he had band, so many bands that mm-hmm. kind of had a similar math, rocky, <laughs> hardcore kind of sound, you know, and it brought me back to where you said you first saw us play at the Gasworks because mm-hmm. there were so many concerts in there where there were so many Circa Survive light bands you know that were trying to create that sound and Mm -hmm. you know it just took me to those moments do you associate um that band with those periods as well or with your you know brothers bands or anything like that or is there a separation because you love them so much no i think it (laughs) oh i think it's both because i still listen to them to this Mm -hmm. day um but i think for me even when like before I met you guys, I was like at concerts all the time because I just wanted to be around my brothers because they were the coolest people I know. Mm-hmm. I was even like as a, you know, ninth grader, like pulling my brother's amp because I was like, I'm strong, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I was just like bullshitting. But like even then it just like it does bring me back to those moments, too, because that's like it just like defines my whole, you know, childhood and, you know, teenage years for yeah. sure. Do you have a favorite Circus Survive record? Like album? Mm-hmm. Mm, Juturna. Mm, wow. Yeah. The one that, you know, I I enjoyed the most on this first listening listening through, because it reminded me even about, like, 
sometimes I heard like even Morgan influence in some of these songs too was Blue Sky Noise, I think mm-hmm. is what it's called. And mm-hmm. there's so many in there that I like, I heard Great States a little bit. I heard Critters. because <laughs> we were listening to it so much. <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah. Just maybe. embedded in Yeah, in because way. Blue Sky Noise came out when we, Morgan and I first started dating. Oh, so no he bought way. me that record, yeah. Dang, yeah. Uh-huh. So I definitely heard that for sure. Like Manhattan Bay. Yes, yeah, one hundred percent. So we, um, the band Morgan and I were in before Pool Toys is called Great States, and there's a moment on one of the Circus Arrive songs where it almost feels like a blatant ripoff of that <laughs> moment. But I'm going to give it benefit of the doubt. That, it's just uh, an homage. Yeah, you know, for sure. I had never heard of the song, so I'm just going to assume that. Uh, there was no way that it was a complete ripping it off. No. But yeah, it, it there were so many cool things that kind of just took me back to that place. Mm-hmm. Or with that band, what was your favorite, you know, song by them? So people can go listen. It's so it's such a long name. The difference between medicine and poison is the dose. But nice. that's on Letting Go mm-hmm. album. But listen to all of the albums because all of them are good. So mm-hmm. He has such a defining characteristic with his voice. You yeah. Know? It's like very high pitched, but like super powerful too. And I think that's why I like it so much because he has such a high pitch because I could sing along. Yeah. <laughs> there, is this, you know? there is this study that kind of came around, you know, when I was starting college that generally what you can find that most music that people are drawn to are the ones that they feel they can sing along to, mm-hmm. you know? So like... You'd find that, like, even historically, the people who had, you know, for lack of a better term, shitty voices, liked to sing songs like by Bob Dylan or Conor Oberst or mm-hmm. those low songs mm-hmm. that, like, you didn't need a good voice to sing them. Or mm-hmm. you hear it a lot with metal music, too, because you don't need to have a good, pure voice. And females generally are drawn to higher pitch singers or other female singers because it's, it's something they can sing. So yeah. I think that's very cool. I realized, too, that while I had never heard of Circus Revive, I, I had listened to Seosin previously, mm-hmm. and he was a part of that group, and mm-hmm. I had no idea until yeah. I started, you know, listening. He's you know, a legend, and think Green. So tell us a story. I know you, you, you've been so hyped that you, you've touched him or something oh, along yeah, those yeah, lines, yeah, yeah. right? Okay, Can you so, tell that story? <laughs> yeah, I will tell that story. Tell us about when amazing. you touched him. <laughs> um. Same thing, concerts. I love live music. So, like, going to concerts, seeing my favorite band is, like, the best thing ever. But I was, I don't know how old I was. I think it was, like, ninth grade. I saw them at that theater called? Sunshine? Yeah. Sunshine. Yeah. I went to the Sunshine, and I, would like, squeezed my way up front. And I was, like, finally, I hear him here. And then they played, and then Anthony Gregan got onto, like, the... Barricade? Barricade, yeah. Oh, okay. And we had to hold him. And I was holding his calves, <laughs> and I just love calves. So I was like, I'm holding Green's calves. <laughs> Two worlds. Yeah, exactly. Met at that right. Point. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. I, yeah, it was just insane. It was just such a moment. Was it mainly like a starstruck moment, or did mm-hmm. you legitimately have a crush on the guy? No, I mean, like, he's kind of old. So, I mean, like, I don't think it was like crush, but it was like, Oh my god! Mm-hmm. It's you moment. Yeah. I think it was mostly Star Trek, starstruck. Right. I sure. noticed. Uh, I haven't luckily been in a situation where 
I've ran into a celebrity in the wild. Mm -hmm. I have been to moments like concerts and things where I have met people, but I mm -hmm. could prepare myself for yeah. that moment. Like I'm, I'm expecting to see these people. And so mm -hmm. I didn't have that starstruck nature. But me knowing myself, I know that I similarly would get starstruck. And it was one of the funniest things earlier this year when I first moved to LA, we went to a, a show and you saw some former Vine star that you just got so starstruck about. At, oh, yeah. And you mm -hmm. were just like, Oh my gosh, that's that person from <laughs> Vine. And that's all you could think about the whole night. I know. I, I, I'm just like that. I'm like, if I've seen this person online and I love them to death online, like, I'm just like, I don't want to tell them because yeah. it's like, that's so weird. I don't want to be that person. But I'm like, wow, just such a moment for me in my own moment, you yeah. know? Like, mm -hmm. but yeah, I remember that concert. And she was like, she was pretty big on Vine. But she was just like a normal person now because Vine mm. is dead. Vine has rib. Maybe us talking about it will bring it back. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of a weird transition. Um, I found out that one of your next artists, Tovlo, mm -hmm. also started out in a math rock band. Serious. Shut yeah, up. So that is why I love wait, her to we, death. Can we say what math rock is So for listeners slash oh, yeah, 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 me? Yeah. I honestly know? <laughs> don't know how to best explain it. My understanding of math rock is, has always been that it's rock music that is more technical in nature, and especially in terms of like guitar musicianship. So instead of like chords and stuff that you'd hear in like classic rock music, there's a lot more running guitar lines and mm -hmm. there's a lot more of mixed meter, rhythmically complex experimental almost sounding rock music it's a lot of exactly Ooh, yeah. yeah and um you know we'll play a clip here in the podcast of some yeah some sound of that and in the instagram story we'll yeah. we'll play an example but um in general it's uh you know really i like to think about it of like imagine rock music with more notes mm -hmm. yeah that's that's the only way i can ex describe it but math that's rock. math rock for sure all right yeah cool. yeah but Tovlo started in a math rock band called Tremblebee. I have to look this up. Yeah, but let's talk about now Tovlo. Yeah. What did um, you, how did you find Tovlo? What, why do you love Tovlo? Let's go into that. Okay. Tovlo is the shit. She's the most badass person ever to exist. <laughs> let's just say that. Okay. Um, no, she, I started listening to her when her song Stay High um, went big. Yeah. And I think that actually went big on like Vine, mm. to be fair, I want to say. Or someone on Vine posted mm -hmm. the song, whatever. That was back in like 2014 or 13 or something. And ever since then, every album that she's put out, I've just loved. I think her music kind of, I now that you say that she has like, She's been in a math art. Like, it makes so much sense why I love mm. her so much. <laughs> but no, I just feel like a lot of her songs resonated with me at the time when I was listening to it. Like, as like a woman, it was just like made me feel empowered listening to her, you know? Mm. Would you say that it was, you know, you mentioned feeling empowered. I, I agree in the sense that when I think of Tablo, I just think that she screams authenticity, right? Yeah. And everything she does is, no, I'm going to be fucking me and I don't care about any of the systems that tell mm -hmm. me that I shouldn't be, right? Yeah. Did you feel uh, oppressed or in a way that you couldn't be vulnerable and she helped you to kind of break that? Or was it just like, now there's someone who's also screaming the value that you also have for yourself? I think listening to her, 
made me feel more comfortable in my own self. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's okay to be like this because you're just a woman and that's okay. What do you mean by be like this? Um, I don't know. She's just, her music is kind of sexually driven, you know, mm-hmm. like, or is like previously, like I grew up very religious and like not feeling good in myself you know like things like that so it's like when i listen to her i just feel like super empowered and badass you know like Mm -hmm. just a lot of her songs resonate with me that way even now to this day her music is still just like i mean i've been listening to um our recent release the passion and pain tastes the same oh sunshine kitty yeah record yeah (laughs) yeah think you're echoing all the same sentiments I have and feelings towards Tavlo. I think she's incredibly powerful and she kind of has changed the game, especially in pop music. Like when she released out that video for fairy dust and it was removed from YouTube for being too sexually explicit, you know, yeah. like it's true that she's kind of like, they, they've even asked her to say, Hey, can you make, you know, more friendly videos? And Mm -hmm. she's kind of like, no, fuck that. This is kind of, this is (laughs) me. This is what I want to do. And she's very open to, you know, talking about sex and sexuality and she flashes at concerts and stuff like that, you know, because she feels like it's, it's not important. And I, I had a little bit of a struggle, honestly, um, not necessarily accepting that, but it was shocking because I similarly grew up in a very religious family. And so a lot of it does, did feel taboo, but Tavlo has been important, at least from my perspective to also saying and listening to that music and being like, Oh, no, no, no. It's all these systems and somewhat brainwashing that I had yeah. previously that made me yeah. think everything she did maybe wasn't okay. Yeah. And allowed me to be like, oh, no, 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 fuck that. Like, let people do what they want to do. Like, it's yeah. it's her choice to do whatever she wants and the art that she makes. And Yeah. And I think it's, like, a lot of, like, a double standard, right? There's, like, the rappers that can talk about fucking bitches and doing yeah. X, Y, Z. But, like... The moment Tovo is just like talks about a sexual moment, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's not okay, right? So it's like, okay, yeah. where does that, yeah. you know, come and play? You know, I agree, and I think even like when I think of like some hypersexual male music, I even think of bands like Panic at the Disco and like mm-hmm. Fall Out Boy, mm-hmm. and it's like nobody is judging them right at all for yeah. like constantly singing about you know kind of their sexual exploits or it's yeah. kind of just what you would right. expect so i think it it is that double standard like ryan said you have to kind of sometimes unpack uh the things that make you uncomfortable yeah to understand that you were conditioned a certain way mm-hmm. and now you've kind of seen the light i think that's yeah. what's interesting about all of like all of these lists that yeah. we've done is that immediately you know you're thinking back to oh that's like a that was a pivotal moment for me. Like yeah. that was a time where the conventions of my reality were kind of shifted. Yeah. You know, that's why music and art is important. Yeah. So cool. Do you, what, what would you name as some of your favorite Tovlo song? My favorite Tovlo song is Imaginary Friend off Ladywood, mm-hmm. which I will eventually get tattooed. <laughs> the whole song? No, just like, um, I think like a little thing of the album cover or something oh that's cool yeah yeah nice you know she's at the palladium tonight 
I know. I I really wish I could go, but I'm so broke. I was like, I wonder if she's going to like jet out of the interview to make it to the concert <laughs> on time. I wish. Yeah. How much are tickets? I don't know. I I barely have money for gas at this point. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Tovo, send Isabel yeah. tickets <laughs> to it. your next well, show. That's what I was going to Yeah, to- oh, at Tovlo, please. At Tovlo, my friend is Get talking the about you list. on this podcast. So she <laughs> deserves be- Can I in. also be your best friend? Have you ever okay. seen her live? <laughs> uh, no, not yet. No. But I, I feel like it'll happen uh, eventually, but... I wanted to so bad, but I didn't have any money. And yes. Just, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Throughout talking about this, you know, I called upon it and you touched on it too. You mentioned that, you know, you grew up in a very religious family. How would you say that, you know, through time, your relationship with faith and religion has, has changed or if it has at all, um, you know, where would you say where you're at with that currently? Currently, I would say it's a little bit different, mostly because I feel like I believe in God. I wouldn't say that I go to church all the time just because going to church makes me, it doesn't make me feel good. You know mm. what I mean? Like, because I think there's a lot of like baggage and like, like I think gay people are okay. Trans people are okay. Like these people are just humans, you know, at the end of the day. And I think that you as a person, I think what Jesus would do things like that is like just be kind to everybody. Mm-hmm. And and I don't feel like the church does that. And so you, I would say right now I just try and be kind to people and yeah. that's my religion. Yeah. And you, you know? grew up primarily Catholic, is yeah. that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had a little bit of a different experience. I I didn't necessarily grow up uh in the world of Catholicism. I was more like a non-denominational Christian, you know, churches. Yeah. And I'd say my relationship has changed. And the reason I, I ask is because even though it might be a little unspoken in, in our immediate circles, yours and mine, we we have a lot of atheist friends, mm-hmm. you know. And I know that you and I are very different in the sense that we grew up with very religious households. And I still am kind of not necessarily sure where I fall with, you know, faith and what I believe. But I have resonated with when when our friends in our group of circles are talking about stuff and they're very passionate about their beliefs or non-beliefs, you know. Mm-hmm. For me, I felt like this unspoken thing that, one, you don't necessarily agree with that. And I've had the same struggles where I'm not sure what mm-hmm. I believe. And so it's interesting to hear because, I, I um, you know, regardless of the people and the company that we keep, it hasn't changed necessarily who you are internally, you know? And I think that's what is like so important to me because when I first started dating Morgan, it was like, he was like an atheist and I, and I knew that that bothered my mom because he didn't believe in God and us even moving in together. That was like, my Huge. mom was like really mad at me for a while. And I think at the end of the day, like I don't see people as atheist or Christian to me. It's like everyone is human and it, Actions speak louder than words, always. So, like, living your life the best way possible, being kind, having empathy for people is just what is important to me. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not forcing my beliefs down anybody's throat, but I believe in human connection. And I think Morgan and I have, like, a very strong, deep connection. That won't ever get in the way of my beliefs, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. No, that's been super important for, you know, our friendship group is, as much as I mentioned that most of them are atheistic and 
the way we have conversations about it or the fact that there are frequent conversations about it hasn't ever been forceful or they haven't been, you know, tried to impose their ideas on anyone else. And yeah. Morgan specifically with your relationship has been within the first few years, you were singing in your church church choir. Yeah. And he was like, cool, go have fun. You know, yeah. he, he, he just, was never saying, no, you should stop going to church or yeah. doing anything like that. Well, that's where the problems start on like both yeah. sides. When you, mm-hmm. when you try to kind of enforce your beliefs or make other people feel stupid mm-hmm. for their belief or non-belief, that's just a losing game. Yeah. So if you're at peace with where you're at, they're at peace with where they're at, go forth and flourish. Like that's all that really matters, I think. And I think that's like, for me, I would go to church for my mom because that matters to her. And I Mm -hmm. care about my mom and making her happy, right? But at the end of the day, it was to a point where like going to church was like a task, a chore. Mm -hmm. And I felt like a lot of the people around there weren't, living life like Jesus would. It was just all very judgmental and like I didn't feel safe. And I feel like being safe is just like it I mean there's just so many religions, right? Mm-hmm. What's the right one? Right. And so it's like this is just another one, right? But right. at the end of the day it's like there's only one God. I mean at least for me what I think as long as you're trying to be a good person, I think that's all that matters. Yeah. No, that's fair. Ditto. Like Ryan said, there's something that comes up often. For one, it kind of speaks to that we we all have uh, spiritual experiences, regardless of how we interpret them. Represents itself in the many religions that there are, the different denominations. Like we all are experiencing yeah. spiritual things. Mm-hmm. For me personally, because I can relate, I grew up Catholic, and I a lot of my family is still very devout Catholic. Mm-hmm personally where it kind of falls apart in some ways is in general a lot of churchgoers that I experienced in my life were judgmental and were always trying to put on a front that they were not and for me in a lot of the community that I experienced it was more so like not just being good for goodness sake and not just you know genuinely being um, understanding and so I think in a, in a lot of ways like my reservations with religion would come from the community at large shunning responsibility for um, having to kind of unpack it was to i mean right before i actually met morgan i was like very very devout like i would go to church all the time and i was actually like a youth leader and like spirituality plays like a huge part in my life in that way so it was like to those extremes i think i found myself at a at a loss sometimes Mm -hmm. because I mean I've just been I've gone through so much in my life even just as like as a teenager you know I had so many spiritual moments and like I believe in God full-heartedly but I didn't feel like the people around me genuinely cared for me and I would open up and they would just like judge me I didn't feel safe anymore that kind of like made me question even just like having friends that were gay it was like Mm -hmm. why why did these people go to hell that doesn't make any sense to me because these are human beings and they're kind humans and you know at the end of the day it really didn't matter i don't think you know so kind of unpacking that and then realizing that like as long as you just walk the walk and try and be the best that you can be day to day that like 
just what matters. Yeah. Well, to move on to your last one and a bit of a segue with another godly man, uh, we have Nacho Libre. Oh, yes. (laughs) Jack fucking Black. Jack Black. More specifically, yes, Jack Black. But, you know, the two movies that you mentioned that you love the most were Nacho Libre and School of Rock. So talk about, you know, these movies and why you love them so much. And, you know, let's all geek out about some of these hilarious films. Okay, I have to ask real quick. Yeah. Do you like Tenacious D? Yes. I was just going to yes. ask that. Yeah. Love Tenacious yes. D. I've never seen it, honestly. Oh, we got to watch it. Yeah. Have you listened to Tenacious D? Oh, I've yeah. listened. I have, I have They're the greatest seen. band in the world. Yeah. Like, okay. ironically. So, Nacho okay. Libre. Nacho Libre. School of Rock. Let's talk about Jack Black and kind of why yeah. you love these films. Yeah. He's just the funniest person alive. <laughs> I, I agree right? with that. Right. I say that all the time. Yeah. You he's just be. so fucking funny. I love him. I would say Nacho Libre is like, top five movies for me mm-hmm. and i think i just put jack Black because like school of rock was such a good movie so too good. but i think nacho libre in particular like it just brings me back to like being a kid and making like jokes <laughs> the mm. jack Black jokes with my brothers and like yeah laughing and you know especially the easter joke because like every easter you know like mm-hmm. You always have to say it. <laughs> yeah. I don't, and I wish I knew that this was like true for everyone, but I've noticed, and it might be our experience that we grew up in a very Hispanic culture in Albuquerque, New Mexico, right? For sure. But almost everyone that I know, like the families, like those Nacho Libre quotes were everything. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like I, I can't go a day probably if I'm with my dad without him not dropping some sort of Nacho Libre that quote. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like every day. And my dad is just one of those people that tries to be funny all the time. You yeah. Know? So like my dad's a character, you know, but like every day it's just get that corn out of my face. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the, I need to borrow some sweat. Yeah. You know? Exactly. The Lord's Jeeps. Oh, oh gosh, my gosh. Yeah. Did you not tell them they were the Lord's cheese? <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. Every time I'm at my grandma. Yeah. I wonder that. if that's super topical to Albuquerque. Yeah. And New Mexico nice in general, better. because when did that come out? What year? I want to say 2005 ish. Well, yeah. Okay. Someone so fact check me. Oh. We watched it, but like, you know, and then we kind of. And then I watched it like every day. Yeah, (laughs) I I have seen it. But it wasn't ingrained in like our surroundings. I think Mm -hmm. like it would have been in Albuquerque, especially with like the luchador and all that. Uh, Nacho Libre came out in 2006. Yeah. 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 So I was in sixth grade. Although, eighth grade, yeah. I guess it depends on, you know, which half because school years are like 2005, 2006, and then 2006, 2007. But yeah, what's with that in America? And what do other countries start the new school year, January 1? I don't know. I don't think so. So I, I think that's took, most education. Took the opportunity to <laughs> uh, Daniel is uh, anti-American. <laughs> um, I'm kidding that up. So no, I I loved that movie so yeah. much as well. Do you have a favorite scene in Nacho Libre? We'll start with that one. Yeah, the chancho. Which part? Like, are you leaving me? I would never leave you. I just need to borrow some sweets. Uh, <laughs> you know, so yeah. like, I think like. What's so cool about Jack Black is like Post Malone, like these are just people living their life. They don't have to look a certain way. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they just are themselves and are, he's just hilarious and just like doesn't give a fuck, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, yeah. I think that's why I love him so much. And I think he's just the funniest person ever. 
He has so many just like facial expressions. You know? Yeah. After he knows he delivers like a hilarious line, especially in that movie, he has like this like cheesy ass smile that <laughs> mm-hmm. he'll like throw out there. And mm-hmm. so he's like a proud toddler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, f- I feel like he never breaks character. I feel like the only time I've ever seen him break character is like in recent like GQ interviews and like yeah. when they were on Hot Ones. Because yeah. for years I remember like watching the bonus features for School of Rock. And there's this feature at that he was on MTV, and I was like, oh, I finally get to see him like not being funny, but he was still like funny. in character. I and know. Jeez, like, like he's really committed. To be fair, in Nacho Libre, there is one moment where I break immersion a little bit with him being Nacho Libre because he has this accent and he's all sweet and genuine the whole thing. And yeah. then there's when he's singing that song in the end about Encarnacion. You know, mm-hmm. he goes full Jack Black with. And like oh, doing yeah. all that kind of stuff that it's like, okay. That, that tenacious D style. Where it's yeah. just like Jack Black playing Jack Black. Basically, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There is no nacho anymore. You know, yeah, because he, he, he dips into that. Even in like Shallow Howl, mm-hmm. he does a lot of the like, like his whole little shtick. I thought that was great. Too unpopular opinion. Yeah. Shallow how? Yeah. Well, I don't think it yeah. ages well. As part no, of it, it doesn't right? at all. At but the at the time, time I as far it was as like great. as far as like the material, yeah. the mm-hmm. humor is a little bit. Okay, this is actually kind of off topic, but like my favorite. Have you guys seen Master in Disguise? Yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> oh my god! Did you see the the percentage on Rotten Tomatoes? Zero percent. Stop. <laughs> no. Are you yeah. serious? It was like Sorry. the best movie ever to exist in my childhood. Like I thought it was the funniest movie. I think I've only oh, yeah. seen that once. I don't even really fully remember. But oh, damn. I, t- I totally had the same experience where I thought it was so funny. You yeah. know, like Dana Carvey is like. So funny in that movie. Yeah. Like just the whole, am I not turtly enough for the mm-hmm. turtle club? You know? Oh, that's right. That's yeah. that movie. Or like yeah. when he's like walking around like completely like covered in like cherry pie filling and like mm-hmm. there's so many funny moments I, in that movie. Have you seen it recently though? Honestly, no. Because I wonder if it would still hold up. Like, Honestly, it will for me because I yeah. literally watch that movie every day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Like, as a kid, it was, like, my favorite movie. Even yeah. with, like, Nacho Libre, it's up there. As, like, I, a kid movie, for yeah. sure. It's the same as Nacho Libre, because I think Nacho Libre on Rotten Tomatoes is, like, in the 30s for so Rotten good. Tomatoes, too. Like, part of me felt like when I was seeing those scores that it was, like, similar to the Adam Sandler films, where, like, almost anything that he puts out, the critics shit on. You mm. know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then I saw the score for School of Rock, and that one's at 91%. That's so a great movie. It's because a of Richard Linklater. Yeah. Mm. It's a great direction. Yeah. I think it was mm-hmm. shot well. I think the story holds up. Yeah. And the humor. Yeah. Well, I mean, even with Nacho Libre, that was the same guy, I forget his name, who did Napoleon Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was John or Josh Hess. Yeah. just on that page. Jared Hess. Jared, Jared Hess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Napoleon Dynamite's my, one of my <laughs> so we're learning your lane for films, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. it's just like this uh, Nickelodeon yeah. humor, you yeah. know, which is like, it's not a bad thing. Cause I think what, now that we're talking about Napoleon Dynamite, one of the moments <laughs> it's that, the alternate for the pop five. One of the things that I laugh at so hard in the movie, and it's, it's not even a scene that has a lot of attention, but there's a point that like Kip is talking to Napoleon on the phone. Right. <laughs> and he's like behind him, you see this like plate of chips where he's like making nachos. Right. And it shows him talking on the phone in the back. You see the plate of nachos. And then it cuts to Napoleon. 
And then it cuts back to him. And if you look back at the plate of nachos, the cheese just keeps growing. Every single Stop. cut. So every it keeps cutting away and then cutting back. And then by the end, there's just this like mountain of cheese on these tortilla <laughs> chips. Like, And like, it's not a joke that you would like notice unless you're actually looking I back at the chips. But man, these are just funny movies. Mm-hmm. I, I really that movie that. was huge. Mm-hmm. I feel like to kids our age when it came out. Yeah. And it, it was about amazing. nothing. About yeah. nothing. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many vote for Pedro shirts I've seen. Oh, in my 100%. Life. I mean, it's like, literally, my car is named Pedro. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you go to Hot Topic, it was yeah. like all Napoleon Dynamite gear. I just remember that was one of the things where everybody made a reference to that movie, like every five minutes mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. were a kid. Oh, yeah. Like, it was one of those movies that yeah, I don't everybody know just saw it. Times I've heard, Tina, you fat lard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, poor, poor llama. Or, or, Make yourself a dang quesadilla mm-hmm. over Kim. Oh, check oh, this out. I was how just, much you want to bet I could throw this over that mountain? <laughs> you know, Uncle Rico. Oh, uh, no, I was going to say, um, interesting about Nacho Libre that I'm just reading on uh, Wikipedia. Um, it stars Jack Black is loosely based on the story of Fray Tormenta, Friar Storm, a real-life Mexican Catholic priest who had a 23-year career as a mass luchador. And competed mm. in order to support the orphanage he directed. What I always loved about that movie is just like the, and it kind of calls back some of the things we're talking about with religion. Is like the he feels like this, like he is living a double life because he's living so passionately and strongly for religion and the Lord and these orphans, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the end, he's just like, but I also just fucking love wrestling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I just want to, you know, enjoy wrestling and stuff like that. And so, you know, the way they portray it in the film can be called back to any of the, some of the other stuff that we were talking about, that this church and this vehicle for, you know, worship and religion is looking f- poorly on some vain activity as they see it in wrestling, yeah. you know, and it could be called back to what you're talking about in the sexuality aspects or yeah. anything, you know, and there's a lot of trying to show okay. that you can, in his instance, you can do what he was doing for good, or maybe that it's not as bad as an activity is the church thinks it is. And right. So I think like a very uh, meta way of looking at a Nickelodeon you yeah. know, comedy, but that kind of sentiment of like him feeling like he's abandoning, you know, the church and all his good deeds. And, but like, he still feels like that double life. I feel like a lot of people feel like they live like that, you know, mm-hmm. at least like sometimes even I do. I'm like, when I was going to church all the time, it was like, what am I actually doing this for? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I can kind of yeah. feel like that. So we'll break it down last with just a little uh, recap of uh, School of Rock before we uh, run out of time. But what are your some of the things you love about School of Rock? Or, you know, do you have favorite memories of that film? Kind of the same, like making the jokes. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to be in School of Rock. Mm-hmm. Right. As a kid, I just like, Imagine, you know, your substitute teacher is this cool person. It was just like, I just wanted to be in School of Rock as a kid. Oh, I, me too. And that movie probably came out maybe a little bit later even. And I had already started playing drums at that point. And I always had like this weird like feeling where one of my first concerts I ever went to was Green Day, mm-hmm. you know. And there was a point that like, I honestly wasn't even good at drums at this point. Like I was maybe in seventh grade, so I probably could barely play like a rock beat, you know. Mm-hmm. But the lead singer for Green Day started pulling people up from the crowd and was like, who can play bass? 
Mm. You know, and he pulled someone up and he kind of did the same scene like you imagined in School of Rock where he starts having the kid play like one rhythm on the drums and then he tells the girl to on bass play cello, G, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. and then they're just playing the notes, you know. But Green Day started doing this whole same thing with people from the crowd. And I wasn't even anywhere near to the stage, you know, but he's like, and who can play drums? And I'm like, me, call me up there, you know, like all the way in the back. Like there's no way he was going to call me up there, you know? Yeah. But like I've always had, or especially when I was younger, I had this fantasy that I'm like, I just want people to know I can fucking rip on drums. Yeah. 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 Seeing that scene and in that movie just made me want that so much more. Like I wanted to be like the kid who got pulled on drums and yeah. Yeah. Did the School of Rock school come before the movie or after? No, after. Yeah, it came after, after? for sure. Okay. Um, I don't know if there's any like association other than someone capitalizing on the fact that. Yeah, I always came. wondered that. Yeah. But there's a School of Rock right here on this corner, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it's so funny now that we're talking about School of Rock. What's that? The character that I saw myself as was the band manager. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Summer? Yeah. Oh my God, which is kind of crazy because now where we're at now, you've kind of filled that role for us in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. You're not our cool le- toys band manager. You're not our little legitimate manager, but you, you know, handle a lot of our content and keep us in line in a lot of ways. And you're, you're the mediator for a lot of our internal bullshit. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of crazy that, that it's kind of turned out that way. <laughs> like, I just had that realization right now. And, and kind of like saying what you're saying, um, I think what's been really fulfilling for me right now, um, and I think that's why I love School of Rock so much, mm-hmm. is my first spiritual moment was listening to music. Mm-hmm. Even before going to church and like having those moments in the church, listening to music, it's a very spiritual thing. To me, that was like always the first thing that like I've always loved, no matter what, throughout mm-hmm. my whole life always listen to music so like coming back and realizing like what i actually do like and now taking on like photo and manager for the mm-hmm. band it's like i feel like more myself than ever before that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah and i'm just like so excited for it makes me excited for the future for sure you know yeah which I haven't felt in a long time because I'm like emo. <laughs> All right, Isabel, we're going to wrap things up. We yeah. have a couple little things that we like to do at the end. But before we do, uh, with, with research, I kind of found some old cringe Facebook posts from you. Okay. So I want to read oh, them. I want to read <laughs> oh, them and God. I want to see if you can tell me what you think was going on around this time okay. period. Okay. Your Facebook status was once, a hug is a great gift, one size fits all, and it's easy to exchange. Do you have any clue what was going on when you posted that? Yes, I wanted to be inspirational. Oh, <laughs> how old were you? Were you in high school? Probably, no, eighth grade. You eighth were in grade. high school, I'm telling you the answer. Dang. This was yesterday. <laughs> See, that was like when I was like getting into church, I was like, I want to be inspirational. Okay, then your immediate tweet following this was, the police can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old tweet. No, it wasn't tweet, sorry, Facebook status. Okay. You want to know what, what <laughs> yeah. happened? Uh, it's kind of sad. I don't know. My The police came for my dad. Oh, no. Yeah. Dang, I'm sorry. So No, it's like, it was just my life. Mm. Well, last one, and this okay. is see if you can remember this. You had like in all caps, tomorrow will be the best day of my life with a smiley face. 
Do you know what happened there? I graduated high school. <gasps> I got my braces off. Yes. Yeah. That's what it was. Dang. Yeah. I hated my braces. Why did you hate them so much? Um, I just hated my smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like before I had braces and then I had braces and it made me more self-conscious of my teeth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It was the greatest day of my life because <laughs> fuck braces. That still holds up. It, <laughs> it still, still holds, holds up. up. Yep. <laughs> All right. Before we go, we have like five rapid fire questions we ask. Okay. So okay. short answers. They don't need to be long thought okay. out. Okay. If you could be on a reality TV show, which one would you choose? Keeping up with the Kardashians because I want to make money. Oh, you just want the paper. Well, and also, like, I feel like I would be best friends with Kendall Jenner. If people have never consumed any of your pop five, um, what is the one thing you would want them to go, all go experience right now? Uh, probably Jack Black. He's a legend. Jack Black. Okay, cool. As a photographer, right, uh-huh. if you knew that you could only take one more photo for the rest of time, what would be the subject of that photo? Probably a picture of Morgan or my family, someone close. What's a dream that you've never said out loud? Like nightmares. Okay. And last one, what are five words? They can be one phrase, it can be separate, that you'd tell a past version of yourself. Be kind to yourself and others. It's six, but I love it. Uh, I love but it. we'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there anything you want to promote before we go? Pull toys. Pull toys. New, new music. Yes. By by the time we release this, pull toys will have new music out. Listen you- to it. I swear you're going to be mind blown. Just keep up. The music is coming. More, better, good. All the music is just the best. Awesome. I love you guys. Where can people see your photography? Oh, you can find me on Instagram at Isabel, three E's, S-A-B-E-L. And my website, IsabelFuentes.com, I-S-A-B-E-L-F-U-E-N-T-E-S.com. All right. I haven't updated my website in a while, but I will when this comes out. (laughs) Before we go, I want to share one last story. Um, You know, within the last year, you were taking a photography course of some sort. And, you know, you had asked a bunch of, you know, peers to kind of mention some of their favorite memories of you or, you know, call upon um, descriptions of you. And, um, you know, I went back to kind of what my first response was. And uh, my response for yours was there was a time when we were on tour and, you know, we, you and I had had some riffs on tour. We weren't necessarily, you know, the closest. But um, there was this time on tour where we stopped in San Diego. And I was a little envious of some of the way, the relationships you have with the rest of the band, because ours was so contentious at times. And when we got off the bus, there was one point that you just said, hey, Ryan, we really need to take a pic together. And it was kind of this moment that I felt like, regardless of like the brother-sister banter that we potentially had between each other, like there mm-hmm. was a real love for one another and felt finally like a part of your circle. And so I'm so thankful for you and I love the fuck out of you. And thank you so much for coming. Mm. Yay. Thank you for having me. This Thanks, was so much Isabel. fun. Yeah. It really was. That'll do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. We had so much fun with Isabel and can't stress enough how talented she is. So give her a follow and check out her beautiful photos. If you want to hear clips or songs or see visuals of what we talked about during the episode, check out our episode recaps featured on Instagram. They're saved. You can even see the episode recaps we've done from previous episodes. As always, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MyPop5. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next week. And until then... 
What's your pop five?